Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 374 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack, and we are in line for the Weekender. We are going to talk about upcoming special events, open source events. Um, what else do we talk about? Contests. Um, we, we sometimes talk about QSO parties, but at least for the rest of 2020, there aren't going to be any, so we won't talk about that. But there's other things we're going to bring up, and then we will dive headlong into hedonism, as we like to say, and talk about all the good things in life, food, Music, sometimes. Wine, women, song. Wine, women. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Men, song. <laughs> goat on goat action. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it was goat on goat. Why is that gross? I mean, <laughs> anyway, come on. What happens when you go to the zoo and you see two animals humping? You take a picture of it, right? That's what everybody says. <laughs> it's like, this is what happens when the giraffes do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's just get into it. I'm Ross K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. All right. So, let's, uh, let's push the hedonism toward the back there and let's go into amateur radio contest coming up over the next fortnight. That's right. And of course, we get all our contest information from contestcalendar.com. And on a side note, Bruce Horn, WA7BNM, was featured on Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp last week on episode 232. So check that out if you uh, want to hear from the guy that has the contest calendar. <laughs> so he talks all about uh, where he started the interest for it and, and what you can find on there and everything else. And I, I've used it for years, so that's why I don't mind mentioning it. It's great. Um, so so there you go. Hey, this weekend for contest, uh, it's kind of a small weekend, but we got the big contest here. We got the CQ Worldwide DX contest. It's running from zero Zulu October 24th through 2359 Zulu October 25th. Bands there are 160 through 10, no work. And of course, it's single sideband. Uh, the CQ Worldwide is the largest amateur radio competition in the world. Over 35,000 participants take to the airwaves on the last weekend of October, single sideband. And uh, November is the CW one, so we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, with the goal is making as many contacts as possible with as many different DXCC entities and CQ zones as possible. And I could not find any specific COVID restrictions to this contest, so uh, expect the bands to be packed with a lot of multi-multis, I guess. And, uh, you know, single op, single multi, whatever. So, uh, yeah, enjoy it. The CQ Worldwide DX contest is always a, always a good one to kind of work on your, uh, your DXCC count. So get your antennas tuned up and ready to go. And, of course, like... Russ mentioned the state QSU parties are done, but I did notice there are some states doing some stuff. I believe uh, 
Uh, if I remember correctly, this weekend is the Kentucky State Parks on the air or something like that. I didn't put it in here because it's not necessarily a contest, but uh, hey, there's there's stuff going on in your state. Just uh, go ahead and check out the calendar and, and you can find stuff there. Uh, next weekend, uh, another quiet weekend is the UK EIDX contest, and it's from uh, 1200 Zulu October 31st to 1200 Zulu November 1st. Bands there are 80 meters through 10 meters, no work. Uh, contest preferred segments must be observed, so I suggest you do check out the uh, the rules if you plan to compete or uh, participate in this contest. Uh, the aim of this contest is to promote contacts between stations in the UK and Ireland and stations in the rest of the world. DX. All UK and EI contesters, including those with modest stations and antennas, will experience the fun of being a multiple multiplier. Sorry, multiplier in the world. Multi multiplier. Multi multiplier. Multiplex. Uh, Multipass. Uh, Multipass. It's so yeah. funny because we. <laughs> I watched Fifth Element last night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good movie. <laughs> it is. It is a fantastic film. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, there are long periods in 24 hours when DX stations cannot work UK EI stations because there is no propagation so all entrants can work on work all other entrants uh okay so that's cool uh for qsa points and multipliers have uh however a good score will only be achieved by working sufficient members numbers of the uk and ei stations and uk ei district code multipliers wow so back-to-back dx contests uh this weekend and next weekend to enjoy so good dx to everyone Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of DXing, or at least making contacts, we have some special event stations coming up. The first one is Frankenstein Halloween Fun Expedition. This is going to run from October 31st, 1900 Zulu to November 1st, 0300 Zulu. Call sign for this is Whiskey Zero Oscar. Woo! (laughs) And the frequencies are going to be on or about 3.538, 3.963. And they are going to be on 40 meters and 20 meters, and they say check your spotters. So get your DX cluster client fired up to find out where you will find W0O. And this is the Halloween Fun Expedition from Frankenstein, Missouri, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know where that is, it's about 25 or 30 miles due east of Jefferson City, the capital of this fine state. Uh, it's the only Frankenstein-named town in the United States. And this is sponsored by the Mid-Missouri Amateur Radio Club of Jefferson City. To receive this year's unique QSL card, you must send contact info along with a number 10 SASE. Smaller envelopes will result in the card being folded to Kent Tribble, K9ZTV, and the address will be in the show notes. So contact Frankenstein. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Funkspedition. The yeah, funk expedition, funk expedition. Yeah. What? Okay, how do you how do you figure that? I mean, yes, I I see that's the way it's written, but well, I mean, you can't funk add an extra word word in there. Expedition, fun, funks, fun expedition, fun expedition. Mm. <laughs> well, you have to have a dash or something. I think no. Uh, see, I I get it. Bill's funk expedition, funks. Okay, Mister, I can't say cute, 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 cute. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's All right, fine. You. Yeah. <laughs> the Funks edition. So anyway, moving on, we also have some. There are a couple of Veterans Day special events coming up. Uh, these will be operating from November first, variably through November fourteenth or fifteenth, depending on which station you're contacting. Two call signs available: November five Victor and November five Victor Echo Tango and five Vet. 
They'll be operating on or about 7.235, 7 7.240, 14.045, 14.235, 14.240, and 14.270. Uh, these stations will be operated by the Club Kilo Charlie 5 November X-Ray out of Cleburne, Texas. They'll be back on the air again this year for the annual Veterans Day special events. Please QSL to the Club Kilo Charlie 5 November X-Ray with a self-addressed stamped envelope. They'll have multiple operators and will be on as many bands as possible. That's a two-week event, so lots of time to make contacts there. And then another one that I believe we have talked about in the past, special event station commemorating the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, the famous ship that went down on the Great Lakes, and this will be operating November 2nd through November 16th. Call sign is Whiskey 8 Foxtrot. Frequencies are about 7040, 7240, 14040, and I think that was supposed to be one four two six zero, not not a illegal <laughs> two meter frequency. <laughs> it's a little bit below the band. <laughs> a little, little bit. I have a question about seventy centimeters. When we get down to this, um, the operations will begin around ten a.m. with equipment and antenna set up, and end at three thirty p.m. or whenever the bands close up. They encourage members to come to the. Dawson Museum and take part in operating the special event station on the air from the museum. Those wanting certificates need to send a large self-addressed stamped envelope to K8TAS. This year, they have been granted the use of W8F call sign for an extended period of time. Club members are authorized and encouraged to operate as W8F from their home QTH during this time. And the goal is to get as many members on the air on CW, single sideband, digital, and more, and make as many contacts as possible. This will be operated by the Livonia michigan amateur radio club so there you go and uh oh 70 centimeters yeah so i was looking the other day at the arl band plan chart thingy yeah and it shows that we have privileges on 70 centimeters down to 420 <laughs> but oh, no, it's, it's sort of more experimental stuff down there it's all amateur tv stuff okay i was just wondering because i think it shows like all permissions but none of the radios that I have will go below 430. So, yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Because if we're ATV transmitters. So the ATV transmitters are technically inside of, like, UHF channels. <laughs> so it's, like, that smack dab in the middle of uh, something we... Yeah, it's we're, like, a secondary. The only thing you transmit there is ATV. Okay. So that explains that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it's all channelized too. So it's not it's not like we have full rain, even though I think the band plan like exposes that as full rain. <laughs> um I think it's all channelized. It follows the channels, the UHF channels that are sitting there. Oh, okay. So the actual the actual former broadcast TV channels that were in that segment. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. All right. That makes sense. I'm pretty certain. I'm sure someone knows better than me but <laughs> i'm pretty certain that's exactly what that's for but yeah normally 430 something 4032 or something like that is the low part of the uh, satellite bands and for weak signal work and stuff like that yeah these i mean pi star blocks out what is it 433 to 438 or 437 i think or 438. yeah i think 435 to 435 to 438 that's right. all satellite yeah yeah but uh like uh hamvoip doesn't <laughs> you can you can put hamvoip in there if you want um so anyway yeah you gotta be careful because like yeah you know they they've had problems with this too like if people put a transmitter with a with a you know output 
on an input frequency of a satellite or something like that, um, that would be bad. So you kind of want to pay attention to where you're putting your, your transmitters at. And if, uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to call it a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to burn up any receivers on those satellites. Uh, Yeah. Well, you just, you, you wreak havoc on, you know, uh, it's basically griefing, griefing others. So it's not, not very good practice. So yeah. Right. Mind the band plan. It's there for a reason. It's you know gentleman's agreement. But uh yeah. Yeah, then Tony just pasted it in the site there. I think it's from the ARRL site or something like that. Yeah, okay. Cool. Probably I'll put a link to that information in the show notes too, just because it came up and I, uh, you know, had a question and <laughs> look, I got a chance to ask. So moving on, uh announcements, I guess I've been working a little bit on the the open source amateur radio club trying to get a logo created i have uh, been making some changes to the osar.club website which can also be accessed by af0ss.org and um so we'll probably be asking for comments about the logo like what styles people prefer and also input from anybody who wants to give it about what the club should be and do so um where it's really kind of a blank slate right now we're just a club that promotes open source. That's um, just starting. That's just starting up. Yeah. And beyond that, we really have no plan or anything like that. I mean, I have a few ideas in my head, but I'd like to hear some ideas from other folks. So if you have any ideas, uh, please send them my way. And there should be a membership option over at the website, osar.club, uh, very soon, like hopefully tomorrow. So... If you want to just sign up and become a member of the club, you can do that. Uh, it doesn't get you much right now, but it's also free. So you're getting what you pay for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, you can help us all figure out what we're going to do with the AF0SS as we go along. As always, looking for ideas. So send us some ideas. And with that, we'll go ahead and move on to the Linux in the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge for this fortnight. And I put it in here because it's a new thing. Uh, the FST4 and FF, FST4 stroke W digital modes. Uh, these are available in the latest release candidate of WSJTX. So I'm guessing they're sort of beacony. They're beacony modes. Yeah, they're, they're noted as whisper like, <laughs> whisper like modes. And generally for the, the really low frequencies, like the 2200 meter band, the 6300, the 630 meter band, and, uh, you know, probably top band or something like that as well. I'm assuming just for like high noise, long duration, I think it has, uh, adjustable transmit receive cycles. So you can probably transmit for, you know, like, like you could with whisper, you could do like one minute segments or something like that. Um, you know, one on so many listen and so on and so forth. Um, I'm not sure much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not either, but it is a new mode. It is available. I don't have so. an antenna that big, so I can't. <laughs> if <laughs> you want something, you're going to replace FT8 with. That's for right, sure. <laughs> right. But if you want to get in on the ground floor and try out a brand new mode, if you're an experimenter that way, check out FST4 and FST4 slash W available in the release candidate. So check it out. 
And uh, let's move into some open source. And when we start with open source, we start with a distribution that you might want to give a try. And Bill's going to tell us which one that is this time around. Yeah, this one's Dragon OS Focal R4. The Dragon OS Focal R4 is an out-of-the-box Lubuntu 20.04 based x86-64 operating system for anyone interested in software-defined radios. All sources installed software... All source installed software is located in the slash user slash SRC directory, uh, while the remaining software was installed by package managers. This is a brief summary of the packages. That, oh, I don't think I even put the summary in here, so I won't even say that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just edit that out. No, just kidding. Um, lots of software is included, including like Qt SDR and stuff like that. Um, this has just about Everything that you could imagine wanting as an SDR tinkerer. Uh, this works really well with your HackRF1, your RSTL SDR, your Lime SDR, Blade RF, and several other um, drivers are included for doing that. Um, we'll be taking a, a deeper look at this uh, in the next episode, but in the meantime, you can definitely uh, check it out. We have mentioned the Dragon OS before, I think uh, back in episode 338 or something like that. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, this has been on the radar before, but if you're into SDR and kind of want like a, a fully tuned, uh, OS just for doing SDR stuff, this is kind of a neat one to try out. Or if you just want to play with some of the SDR stuff, like maybe you haven't installed everything, I don't know, try it out see if it, uh, see if it works for you. All right. Sounds good. You're looking forward to testing out Dragon OS when I get a free moment. And let's see, with that, we will move into some open source upcoming events. Do you want to read all of these or one of them or it's whatever? I can read them. So. Well, if you want to read them all, go for it. All so right. we'll let Cheryl handle it. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Unless she's busy with something else, you know, like Facebooking or whatever. Yeah, I've been so, sitting here staring at the ceiling. So, well, there you go. So now you've got some open source events you can tell everybody about. Woohoo. All righty then. So our first one is the Wait, open. Not woohoo. It's just woo. W woo. zero. Woo. woo. Frank, yeah. Frankenstein, <laughs> Missouri. Woo. <laughs> So for our first one, we have the Open Source Summit and Embedded Linux Conference Europe. It is October 26th through the 29th of 2020. It's online, of course. The cost is $50. So due to continuing COVID-19 safety concerns, we're transitioning Open Source Summit and Embedded Linux Conference Europe to a virtual experience October 26th through 29th on the Greenwich Mean Time Zone. As our physical events shifts to a virtual one, know that we're taking thoughtful actions to create an immersive digital experience that provides you with interactive content and collaboration experiences. You'll have the ability to network with other attendees, attend presentations with live Q&A, interact with sponsors, real-time, and much more. All virtually, from anywhere. We're excited to invite you to the reimagined reimagined open source summit and embedded linux conference europe 2020 a virtual experience where we will continue to shape the future of open source together thank you for your patience while we work through this fluid situation to determine the best path forward and there's more information that will be in the show notes the next one is lenovo tech world 20 it's october 28th and 29th 2020 online cost is zero that's always good I uh, hear from industry leaders and Lenovo experts who will deliver visionary talks that challenge the status quo, enabling you to optimize, uh, excuse me, optimize the way you work, learn, and play in this remote revolution. Along with announcements, product premieres, and exclusive content shared 
live and on demand, you won't want to miss this vibrant, best-in-class virtual experience. And again, link will be in the show notes. What is that, a two-day sales pitch or something like that? Probably, yeah. <laughs> buy more Lenovo yeah, stuff. Yeah, buy more Lenovo, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is Introduction to Python for Business and Finance. It's November 11th and 12th, 2020, online, obviously. The cost is 415 to $599. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, yes, that's expensive, but considering how much a face-to-face conference costs, this it's is pretty, pretty cheap. cheap. Yeah. So this is a two-evening hands-on introductory, cor- introductory course teaching students foundational Python concepts and how to use Python's popular libraries to complete various technical tasks. Students are presented with Python coding challenges throughout the day to test their understanding of the material. The course culminates with a challenging in-class coding project where students apply concepts taught in the course to create a game. The class is run by Cognitor, which was hosted our, which has posted our Python events in the past. Members of CFA Society Boston will also be able to attend. Why wouldn't they be able to attend? Well, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, more information's in the show notes. <laughs> they specifically excluded them from the last, yeah, last one, so one, they yeah, wanted they... to make sure that they were invited this time. <laughs> Maybe Sorry, they're just guys. party animals or something. I, uh. And it's called Introduction to Python for Business and Finance, but I went through all the information, and it looks like it would be relevant to anyone who wants to learn just, Python. Just Introduction so. to Python, yeah. So, so how a much was your expensive thing for learning to do Python. Did you did you attend a Python training course or did you teach yourself? I went to PyCon once. How much was it? It was like four thousand. Oh, it was way more than yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, no, no, it was like a, it was like twelve hundred or something for PyCon, but you know, still way more than this. <laughs> so anyway, it's still pretty pricey for not having someone face to face. Well, I mean, I am assuming they're doing it in a way where you can actually interact with with folks, and it's sort of like a full time lab environment. So. Uh, hopefully it's worth your 400 to 600 dollars but yeah i I like the zero lenovo one (laughs) well yeah because it's a giant sales pitch so that's commercial is a giant sales pitch yeah (laughs) well even the 50 dollars for the embedded linux conference isn't bad so yeah and it may be a giant sales pitch too who knows so yeah fair enough uh, for our open source challenge this fortnight, we have the same challenge as our amateur radio challenge, which is to, if you have a mind to, check out FST4 and FST4 slash W, the new modes in the release candidate of WSJTX. So now we have come down to the good stuff. And when we get down to the good stuff, we always start with food. It's always a good thing. Everybody needs food except for breatharians. And if you don't know what that is, look it up on YouTube. Uh, so what? nothing do you know what a breatharian is no but i'm afraid you you should check it out uh it's a bunch of wackos anyway so cheryl's gonna tell us what's in her recipe corner for this time around yeah in the recipe corner this time we have apple pie quick bread uh russ and i are both lovers of quick breads especially like banana bread um grab a slice for breakfast or lunch or snack or whatever and you're on your way and since it is apple season in the united states it's time for apples in our house. So uh, since Russ is a huge fan of apples, I'm, eh, whatever. Um, this recipe is quick and easy, and he, he does like it. So, and it requires a can of apple pie filling mashed up, one yellow cake mix box to Pillsbury, uh, Betty Crocker, whatever, uh, four eggs, a cup of self-rising flour, a teaspoon of cinnamon, 
excuse me, tablespoon of cinnamon and a medium chopped apple. Um, whisk all your dry ingredients together, add your wet ingredients, fold in your apples, pour into two greased loaf pans, sprinkle sugar and cinnamon on the top, bake at 325 for 35 to 45 minutes. So, and poof, you have apple quick bread. Poof. 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 Every week it's poop. It just happens. It just, it does. It magically just happens. Magically delicious, right? It is magically delicious. Yeah. Duh. Okay. So, so very good. Yes. And this stuff is very tasty and very simple to make. So yeah. you should check it out. And, uh, while you're checking that out, you can also be drinking. Oh, well, yeah. So, so what's, what's in your mixed drink corner? My, my mixed drink corner this week is a strawberry starburst martini. Which is two ounces of vanilla vodka, one ounce of strawberry liqueur, two ounces of strawberry lemonade, a quarter cup of ice cubes, and four pink starburst for starburst starburst yeah wow starburst for the garnish. And for those that you don't know or that don't know, the pink ones are always the ones that go first in this house. The red ones are second. Um, <laughs> yeah, lemon third, orange that's always left so so add the vanilla vodka strawberry liquor strawberry lemonade and ice cubes to cocktail shaker shake well and pour into martini glass all right excellent so i'll just uh, quickly run through my drink corner for this week and i have green spot irish whiskey i have done a review of yellow spot irish whiskey which is kind of like green spots bigger batter brother i don't know <laughs> uh certainly the more expensive of the two uh, Green Spot is much less expensive, a little more accessible, uh, but still a pretty good Irish whiskey. So according to Green Spot or Spot Whiskies, Green Spot was originally produced exclusively for the Mitchell family who commenced trading in 1805 on 10 Grafton Street in the heart of Dublin City as purveyors of fine wines and confectionery. Four generations later, the company is still in the wine and spirits business under the stewardship of Jonathan Mitchell and his son Robert. The Mitchell family expanded into whiskey bonding in 1887, whereby they sent empty wine, sherry, and port casks via horse and cart to the local Jameson distillery, which were then filled and returned to the Mitchell's cellar warehouse. There, the whiskeys matured for many years under bond until they were ready to be bottled and sold. Green Spot is a non-age statement single pot still Irish whiskey, comprising of, uh, comprised of pot still whiskeys aged between 7 and 10 years. The whiskey has matured in a combination of new bourbon and refill bourbon casks, as well as sherry casks. So lots of different barrel influence. And the, ma- uh, the mash bill on this is 100% barley, both malted and unmalted. I was not able to find a um, percentage of each. So, you know, it's whatever. It's all barley. Proof on it is it's uh, distilled and proofed down to the standard 80, 40%. Uh, region obviously comes from Dublin, Ireland. The color on this is a, is a nice, lovely golden honey color. Uh, the nose on it is, um, aromatic oils, sort of nondescript, but maybe like, you know, potpourri kind of. So uh, just sort of like oils and essence and spices. Uh, some definite hints of apple, pear, uh, and then barley and toasted wood from all that different barrel influence. Uh, the taste on it, very strong in the green apple, a little bit of clove, uh, some gentle spices. The pear kind of lingers in there. And then it kind of fades from the taste into that spicy, oaky, apple-y uh, goodness. <laughs> so it's not super complex, and it doesn't it doesn't transition or anything between the nose, taste, and finish. Um, but overall, 
It's pretty tasty. Um, it's on the sweeter side because it is an Irish whiskey. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of distilled of the same grain as scotches, but it seems to have a mellower, sweeter flavor about it. Although all the barrels give it, uh, that sort of tanniny, oaky, spicy thing going on. And it's, uh, pretty good. And certainly not my favorite thing, but it's, um, it's worthy of a mid eighties. I'll give it like a 84. Yeah, let's give it an 84. That sounds about right. And uh, the price on the bottle is about 55 bucks. Maybe in a place that has higher taxes and stuff, it might be 60. Uh, you could see it, I suppose, as even as high as 65. Um, but it's very tasty. Not, not nearly as good as Yellow Spot, but you're talking about 60% of the cost. So, uh, if you want to try, uh, an Irish whiskey that's not Jameson, uh, maybe give Green, <laughs> yeah. Maybe give Jameson, or maybe not give Jameson, maybe give Green Spot a try because it's, uh, it's different. It's good. And it has, a uh, more spicy notes than a lot of the other Irish whiskeys I have that tend to be more mellow and bready and, you know, uh, fruity and things like that. So it's got more of a, more of a kick, uh, than some of the other ones. So, uh, anyway, if that sounds interesting to you, maybe give that one a shot. Green Spot Irish whiskey. Check it out. And Bill has, a craft whiskey that he's going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I got a uh, bottle at the store, was it last week or something like that, called Dry Fly, Dry Fly, <clears throat> Dry Fly <laughs> Straight Wheat Whiskey Cask Strength. And this is, uh, let's see, uh, Dry Fly Washington Wheat Whiskey is 100% local soft white wheat. It's distilled twice in a traditional American whiskey style. Then it is aged minimum three years in a new 53-gallon American oak barrel with number three char. Uh, the Dry Fly Cask Wheat Whiskey is the same whiskey as our 90-proof wheat whiskey, but bottled at cask strength. So this is 120 proof. It is our highest rated whiskey ever. Wow, that's great. <laughs> and it shows this obviously off their website. And it shows that 100% wheat whiskey can be bigger and bolder. It typically drinks much softer than its 120 proof. And of course, this is from Dry Fly Distilling out of Spokane, Washington. And yeah, I was, I was just discussing this with uh, Jonas in the uh, Hedonism channel because <laughs> he was asking about it. <laughs> so make sure we put Jonas in the, uh, in the chat room list there as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Weller, as everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is definitely not Weller, um, but the Weller I have is not cast strength either. Um, it's good. It's, uh, for being 120 proof, I agree with what they say. It definitely does not drink like it's 120 proof. It definitely tastes boozier for lack of a, you know, more, uh, <laughs> intelligent term um but uh it uh yeah it still has that same um that same wheat profile that's you know it's kind of it's very pleasant you know it's not harsh i don't i don't know it doesn't bite like like you know sometimes you get one of these high proof um whiskeys that are like you know kick you off the chair have to throw water in it and everything else um but yeah, this one doesn't. It's very, very smooth. It's got like a nice, um, even like a nice sweet, um, aftertaste too that I'm just noticing now. But, um, yeah, I, I can't really do what, uh, Russ does. I'm not, uh, 
<laughs> I don't have the training. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I don't but, have any training. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm just making this stuff up as I go. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to just do that from now on. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, just- no, it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, again, I would probably prefer Weller myself just because it's less boozier. <laughs> Um, but this is this is really good. And, Jonas uh, does make a good point, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in the past that you can put a few drops of water in there. <laughs> that will. Oh take- yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not dissing or anything. It's fine. It does not. You know, but it, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't bite. Like there's not like you're like ooh, you know, it's uh, it's so bad. Uh, no, no, it's it not like that. Doesn't bite like a fly. It's not like house fly. It doesn't bite. Yeah, yeah, it's a dry fly, so it doesn't <laughs> doesn't bite. It's not, it's not like a house fly. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. I th- I think it's I think it's a it's a keeper. And you know, since it's from Washington, I can definitely get it here easy because all we get all their stuff over here. So. Yeah, I would try it out if you can find it and uh, can get it. Uh, obviously, they're pretty proud of it, um, and I can see why it is. It is pretty good, and the price wasn't too too bad, if I remember correctly. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of the upper upper thirties, low forties, or something like that. It was it was cheaper than I thought it would be for a craft. And I think me and you had that discussion too, right? You just looked at some kind of like state whiskey, and it was like what forty, fifty bucks or something like that for a bottle. Oh yeah, six sixty actually for one of the ones I just bought. And yeah, for a barrel proof uh craft whiskey, thirty eight, forty bucks, that's that's definitely on the inexpensive side. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's definitely a value purchase <laughs> for it. So yeah. Two thumbs up for me. All right, excellent. So with that we have come down to the end of the program. Uh no more hedonism, but in another couple of weeks we'll have more. We'll find more things to make your life better. So make sure you tune in then. But before we get out of here, let's go ahead and mention the folks who are with us in the chat room tonight and uh, sparking up a lively conversation about various topics, including the dry fly. We had Gene BX8AAD, Don KC9ZMY, Don KB2YSI, Tony K4XSS, Ted WA0EIR, Richard KB5JBV, and Jonas Rulo. So thanks, everybody, for being here. We appreciate each and every one of you. You're making this show what it is and keeps it worth doing every time we do it. So with that, let's get on out of here and uh, go enjoy some of this hedonistic pleasure that we've been spending all this time talking about. This has been episode number 374 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info/lhs live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. 
get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-NHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.